keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I am the King Sad Style, the man with the largest calves in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me as always, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Scotty Chaps. You. And Robert, we got to get you a name. Uh, knowing that uh, I, could, I could have an NXT name where we just take my middle name and a random object in the room and then I'm just, you know, Andy Cups. And uh, that's the guy who gets the push. You got to copy. That's actually not bad. That's not Andy a bad Cuff name. Isn't bad. <laughs> so it's so logical. Robert, you are Andy Cups from now on. I, I this is the the one thing you never want to do in life is give yourself a nickname. Uh, and uh, I, in I fact, you're China too. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> there's Gallagher too, and there's China too. Um. Let's get to the 10 count. Number one, The New Day, Neil's on SmackDown. Pretty wild. I never thought I would see that in a WWE ring ever. It's awesome. I don't think Vince knew what they were doing. <laughs> He's like, uh, what, do they tear, tear their quad? What are we going to do about SummerSlam? But I, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was awesome. It was a bright spot in uh, WWE politics this week. Yeah, but do but do they have to discontinue bootios like they did <laughs> with Aunt Jemima pancakes? <laughs> like they kind of have to forget that they did that, right? There's no like, but there's no the like. The drawings are fucking sketchy, dude. Yeah, they're sketchy, but there's no like bootios plantation character, is there? But, That's what Aunt Jemima was, right? Well, no, but did you read up on? I read up on Aunt Jemima, you know, because you never know the history until people start yelling about it, and then so I, I look it up. And it's like she would go around, they had like a mascot, like an actual woman, and she'd go around like handing out pancakes. Oh, so it, it wasn't a plantation? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, I don't know, I used to see an entrance like that all the time. It's very weird to me. Vince, <laughs> yeah. Vince Sr. never put the title on her. Uh, it was bullshit. <laughs> he was going to have Aunt Jemima work the garden. Um, I, I think they are in a very uncomfortable position right now because AEW is unencumbered, uh, they can do whatever they whatever they want, and they went all in on Black Lives Matter, on representation, putting it right at the front of their show. Vince's association with with Trump, uh, be it guys in the Hall of Fame, Linda, you know, has worked for the administrations, working on the on the reelection campaign. It's now this very murky situation where if you come out in favor of Black Lives Matter, you're almost taking a stand against Trump. But at the same time, they can't silence what their wrestlers are doing because that'll immediately wind up getting out into the general populace that they're trying to suppress that. So I think they'll allow certain characters, especially the New Day, 
to go ahead and have that moment and do it on TV. Uh, but at the same time, they as a company are not running a, a special PSA about it at the front of the show or doing video packages or anything like that. Do you think, and this is crazy to ask, but that somebody in the company would actually ask them to do that? I don't think so. I think they want everybody to be as apolitical as possible. Okay, but okay. it would have been, it would have seemed uncomfortable if they, if they didn't mention it. But what you're starting to see now is, I, I think it was, uh, I think Keith Lee also wore something Black Lives Matter related at the NXT show. So they're allowed to do things without overtly coming out and saying it. I, I think if they decided they were going to take the microphone and, and cut a promo about, you know, what this means to me or what this movement means to us, that's a different story. But I think these subtle, uh, nonverbal, symbolic moments are are more acceptable or, or more palatable to Vince. Yeah, and they're, they really they're super nice to see. It. They're definitely nice to see, which is uh, which is good. They, they are, but you're talking about a, a subtle racial moment, and then a few days later, ninjas. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. Um, and then the other thing that's sort of happening is they're they're picking a very odd time right now to to morph the MVP character, who was sort of before just the the superstar whisperer for Lashley, and then the that that random Australian tag team who seems to have vanished again. But now it's he's focusing on Shelton Benjamin, Apollo Cruz. Lashley, it, it has a, an overtone to it that needs to be handled subtly. And I think that the staff that's in place right now is completely incapable of doing subtle. Yeah, I, I just don't <laughs> try to go like nation of domination with it. And that was the big thing with New Day. New Day worked so hard early on to make sure that they, they were not just nation of domination 2.0. And, and very, very early on, um, they, they made a, a, a conscious effort on, it was like Velocity or whatever the show was, that they attacked Titus O'Neil to make it seem like we're not simply, you know, the black faction, but we're just a collection of three guys who are talented, who are coming together, and we don't want to be a nation ripoff. And wow. they tried to really put sad, that out there. Bad fucking day for Titus O'Neil. Do you think New Day goes down as one of the... Uh one of the better factions? I would think so, right? I mean, they've I so for sure. been a group wise. for, it feels like a decade. It's been a long time, and they got enough traction that they don't have to break up. And they've made it clear. They've said in interviews, we don't want to break up. WWE's instinct is as soon as you get a faction, immediately split it up. Yeah. But New Day has sold merchandise for them. Uh, they've been top of the card. They've moved all over the place and they're still popular and they still get a reaction out of the audience. Yeah. I still want to see a big E push. Do you think that that's still possible? I, I oh, think anything's possible. I mean, Seamus came back and I could give a shit, you know? Right. Yeah. I no. mean, maybe, maybe they will, you know, I, I, I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Number two, the Pritchard era. What do you guys think of this past Raw? First off, it was a rating success. It wasn't a huge success, but they, it definitely did uh, noticeably better than last week. I'm not sure if that was the excitement because Pritchard was there, but I thought the show was better. And I, I thought, here's, here's what I realized watching the Pritchard Raw, is 
with Paul Heyman, like at the helm, he was pushing these new guys. And I really liked Aleister Black and I really like Apollo Crews, but like having them in a three segment match doesn't do them any favors. Like if you're not over, you shouldn't be in a match that's over 10 minutes. I understand if you're AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan. So I, I, I understand that like they're nervous because they, they leaned, uh, they're, they're again leaning on part-timers and they're leaning on older people. I don't think that's good, but I do think, uh, the way that the show moved along, it, it, they're headed in the right direction. Do you think Vince is pissed that Christian got them ratings? <laughs> he's got to be. I mean, he might. He might just step down, right? No, it's going to be. He's going to put that on Flair. He's going to be like, "Oh, it's Flair and Randy Orton." <laughs> That's true. I think this is a hard raw to judge. Uh, the the Pritchard era because a lot of stuff happened because Paul Heyman had been setting up the dominoes for weeks and months and then this show was nothing but payoff 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 you you open with an Orton promo talking about the the greatest match ever that they just spent five weeks building and then immediately you get this uh, surprise Christian return you had momentum coming off that boom next segment you're going to the uh, Andrade and Garza not getting along. They've been building that for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it just turns into Zelina saying, all right, you guys are back together. Boom. Next segment, Lashley and Lana, I want a divorce. It was just constant payoff of everything that That divorce thing was so weird. What's going on with that? You think she's leaving? Have we talked about this yet? They're put, it looks like they're putting her with, with Natalia. So I think that they they took everything that Paul's been building for weeks and then just blew everything off in one show. So that's why it felt like stuff happened. Whereas before you were getting uh, truly episodic soap opera storylines and instead this was basically Avengers Endgame. We're going to give you an answer to everything. The one thing that I didn't like, and I, I thought the show overall was definitely very entertaining. I hated how they treated Drew McIntyre. This was the first time his character felt false to me. He seemed like he was being outsmarted when he hasn't been outsmarted before. He seemed kind of cowardice at certain points. That's, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, he was uh, – him. it's never a good look when a babyface champion doesn't want to fight. It's never a good right. look. Right. And then at the end, uh, there, he's so scared about R-Truth, like R-Truth is uh, a Make-A-Wish kid or it's, or it's Nicholas, the right. you know, Braun Strowman. R-Truth's an accomplished wrestler. It's like, oh, my title is at risk because R-Truth might get in the ring. And then in the end, he has MVP beat. And rather than keeping his title, which is the most important thing to him, he lets R-Truth have his, his little moment. Everything about it just felt weird. And it was the only thing that gave me some pause for concern that the way that Pritchard's going to handle Drew versus the way Heyman did might be really detrimental to potentially the biggest baby face they've had in a decade. I feel like Heyman uh, is, it seems, at least what I know of him, he's like very consistent with wanting to have a dominant champion. Like I remember when that reemergence of ECW came back and yeah, that was absolute shit, but he was like dead focused on what was it like having the big show be champion or something. And, and he like really, it was the first time you saw big show advertised as a monster and like, like ever in that company. The ECW yeah. reboot, yeah, the ECW reboot, what, when Paul was, was tr- what he was trying to build, if it wasn't for the meddling of sci-fi and all of that, I think he would have basically built what NXT was. 
It was using those ECW stars or using talent that wasn't being used properly elsewhere. Yeah, he wanted and Punk real bad, right? The whole thing was like he would have made Punk the star. He had Punk. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you, it, I, I worked a little bit on the on the initial stuff for the old ECW or for the return of ECW and seeing where they wanted to go with it. You had Kurt Angle at the top, and he was being booked as the wrestling machine. So you had Kurt Angle and RVD you know, working one another. You had Big Show as this unbelievable monster. And then the idea was going to be to transition Benoit into there and yeah. use CM Punk as the, the catalyst of the future. Obviously, none of that really wound up working out. And Paul Heyman kind of goes through this, this pattern every several years. He gets in power. He clashes with Vince. At the end of the day, it's Vince's show, not his. And uh, he's, he's kind of gone. Do you think, and this is such a weird uh, side thing, but I think this all the time and nobody ever acknowledges it. Um, Benoit got drafted to ECW. I remember like reading dirt sheets and it was like, he's upset about it. Um, And then he killed his family like a few weeks later. (laughs) It it was pretty close after. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's definitely to not acknowledge that it's a piece of his brain snapping is, is a lie. Right. I mean, I mean, I think that would have happened like get, no matter what. If a, if a guy has a job and he and he gets demoted and then he kills his family, if it's like the regular suburbs and he's not famous, they're going to talk about how he got a demotion. ECW was a demotion. Yeah, ECW really wasn't a, a demotion per se. Some of the guys thought it. I know uh, Kurt at some point had issue with it, but Benoit, before he got moved over, it wasn't like he was doing any great shakes. He was feuding with Orlando Jordan for the U.S. title. Uh, he wasn't at the top of the card. So the, the vision that they had for ECW, if he would have factored into it and been a star, I think the, the show, the pay-per-view he missed, he was supposed to win the title, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was the, the match that was scheduled. I don't think that it necessarily was a, a demotion per se or that would have supposedly triggered him to, to put any of our minds into his mind is, I mean, that takes a special level of, of fucked up, but I, I don't know that it necessarily would have, would have played into it because Vince would have taken care of him financially. And if ECW folded in on itself, he's, it's not like he's going to be fired. He'll wind up back on raw or SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Number three, COVID <laughs> carnage. Kevin Owens will not be returning to WWE anytime soon uh, because two of the uh, one person tested positive who was in the, in the crowd of Monday night raw. But the bigger story is that multiple reports, which WWE denies, uh, but allegedly Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon didn't want masks on in particular, Kevin Dunn. Do you think the story is true? Robert, you were there. What do you think went down? from everything you've read and talked about? I think that the the WWE was the stalking horse for every form of live sports and entertainment. Uh, they, were the, they were the canary in the cave to see what would happen. And they were running a pretty good track record for the last few months. But the idea all along was if one person gets COVID and somehow gets into that building, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a house of cards and everything can potentially fall over. And that's sort of what happened. Somebody got in, uh, one of the performance center people, and you saw how flimsy the testing was that they supposedly had in place, which was, we're going to take your temperature and uh, we're going to ask you how you feel. And it wasn't sufficient. Do I think that they said no masks? That seems like a crazy thing that they probably would have said. Because again, part of it 
is is political. If you look at who, you know, Vincent and and Dunn back, which is the Trump administration, they are really trying to get things back to normal. And if they see people walking around wearing masks and they see extensive testing and people being genuinely scared, that's not sending a message of everything's back to normal. And there's definitely a sense of pride in them being declared essential work and thriving for the last few months in spite of COVID. So if they put a mask on or, or take a test, uh, I, I, I even tweeted out that the, the way they did the COVID testing was they went up to you and said, are you okay or are you a little bitch? And if you're a little bitch, you can go home. And that's how they positioned it. Roman Reigns voluntarily stayed home because he, he's got a compromised immune system and, and little kids, and they erased him from TV. Sami Zayn did it. Now Kevin Owens is doing it. Yeah, I, um, it, 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 hearing that story was very tough. Can I, I like, can oh. I read something that Triple H said back in um, – Yes, absolutely. Back in April, Triple H said you're this. You're just like, it, I am the game. It's, <laughs> it's, oh, it's so strange. It. No, because it well, makes you realize that they really just haven't done much at all. They've taken people's temperatures, and that's it. Um, do you really think he wants something going up his nose? <laughs> so in April, Triple H said they have a spray that – it's a process that makes it cling to surfaces. It lasts for 90 to 120 days, and it acts like a sword that punctures the cell wall of the virus or what causes the virus and kills it on contact. We coated our PC warehouses, even production trucks. I think he's talking about how to get rid of fire ants. <laughs> like I think it, this is... It sounds like an exterminator. It doesn't sound this like is, a doctor. Uh, what they did with all the ico pro that they didn't sell in the 90s they just put it on everything but they, it's like looking back at that you go oh my god they just completely made up shit yeah if you have a fever wipe your head with these ultimate warrior comic books exactly <laughs> but they you know they had to cancel one set of tapings they they're they're gonna they went forward i know they did a, a second set they're just gonna cram everything in as much as they can full steam ahead. I think that they're more annoyed than anything else that the story got out there and that another wrestler in this case, Kevin Owens said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stay home until you sort this out. Do you think there's any yeah. way that someone would test positive um, and they would ask them to keep hush about it? The liability that they would have under that circumstance yeah, is too much, right? so high yeah, um, yeah. now if, you know, and I, I'm sure this isn't the case, but if hypothetically somebody was scared of saying that they had it for fear of repercussions or how it's going to impact them in the locker room, maybe there are guys that are just going to keep their mouths shut. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have a fever, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be the guy. Uh, it really makes the, the most glaring part of raw. Now, the fact that the street profits went into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And and in their statement, WWE statement after that was filmed, they were saying how the wrestlers are, are kept separate from the audience that was brought in and it's it's just all such bullshit. The fear all along was somebody getting sick and this becoming a major story and it's it's fine in their opinion that it was a performance center guy and it was someone anonymous and and whatever. If it winds up being a, an actual wrestler, that's going to wind up being a much bigger story. The developmental kid who got it, he's done, right? <laughs> no, he, 
He's getting a mask gimmick when he comes back. <laughs> you killed the business, kid. <laughs> He's the COVID kid. Did you know how pissed Vince McMahon's going to be if this guy doesn't die? <laughs> he comes back, he's like, so you're still here, huh? <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Number uh, four, speaking of Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho has said that Roman Reigns is his number one draft pick. I'll, 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 I'll read you the quote. Uh, Chris Jericho says, obviously, what's my wish list? I'd put Roman Reigns at the top of that wish list for anybody because not only is he he's a great worker, he's such a cool guy. If they just let him be him, he'd be the biggest star in the industry for real. So that's a guy I'd love to get my hands on for sure. Was this uh, Jericho just kind of trolling WWE or do you think He's serious, and if so, how would you bring Roman in, and is it worth it? I didn't even consider it being a troll job. That uh, that would be pretty funny if that was his goal, was to say I'm going to take the guy who they've basically erased. I mean, Roman has, like, every reason to say, hey, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, they've kind of mishandled him completely. I mean, even back to the leukemia thing and having Moxley, Ambrose at the time, you know, wanting him to say shitty things about it. Like, it's all mistreatment and stuff. Um, so maybe he's also saying that so Roman hears it, you know? Like, hey, there is another option. Um, but I think at the end of the day, really, he said it because he likes drinking with Roman. <laughs> and he's just like, I'd like to go drinking with Roman Reigns. That's how you have to translate it. Number one, Roman Reigns. Number two, <laughs> Dr. Luther. Yeah, <laughs> you just made me think of the uh, the promo with with Roman and, and Ambrose, where he's like, "After the match, I'll bring the beers," <laughs> and I can't get it out of my brain. I think that it is that would be the single smartest thing AEW could possibly do, and make them a truly legitimate competitor Roman to the Roman WWE. Is, he's not a great promo. Oh, Ro absolutely, is Roman. Well, Roman is worth. Uh, probably twice whatever WWE is paying him to go to AEW because what's there's a couple things that are going to happen. Number one, the stigma around Roman Reigns is that they saw him as a huge superstar, but everything holding him back was Vince McMahon and shitty creative. If he goes to AEW and he's allowed to do his own thing, no matter what it is, everybody like on the internet, gimmick. That's right. <laughs> everyone on the internet's gonna love it. they're gonna feel like he's free he's heard of chris statlander look at christopher statlander <laughs> yeah jericho's just like i told you this guy rules it's just roman reigns doing a robot in the ring <laughs> it is the ultimate middle finger to vince because you're going to take the guy that vince has spent the better part of a decade trying to make a huge star and then he'll get over an AEW simply because, hey, I'm not under the thumb of somebody else. And then he'll, he was very charismatic when he gave that promo, when he was like, look, I'm Joe. I'm going to talk about my leukemia. He connected with the audience. He's not saying suffer and succotash. Uh, he's not delivering ridiculous lines. He's not getting pushed to the moon. I think they would treat him properly there. And it would be enough for AEW to try to move to a Monday or a Friday night and compete against the flagship shows. I don't know if that's a good idea, man. I More mean, importantly, what kind of car do you think he shows up in? <laughs> <laughs> they go full WCW and they get him a Hummer. <laughs> I would love it.
Dude, AEW loves people showing up in cars. I think they like it more than WWF. I mean, WWE. I, I don't know. I mean, they both love just wrestlers having these cool cars. Yeah. Like they're fucking Fast and the Furious characters when they're not wrestling. Because when Tony Khan was five, he had the WWF action figures and Hot Wheels. <laughs> and this is what he did. And we're just living his toy box in, in real life. You're absolutely Imagine being right. Tony Khan in the middle of the night, like getting a call from Jericho, like, He's trying to get you to sign Pent like the basis from Pantera. He's like, yeah, but Chris, he's never fucking wrestled before. He's like, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. You put him at the inner circle. No, no, you got to put him somewhere else. <laughs> Number five, uh, the Saudi Arabian suit. So there is an, an anonymous defendant uh, who is suing uh, in in the Saudi suit. Is basically saying everything that WWE say didn't happen as far as the Saudi government stopping the plane, uh, that it did happen. And people are, people are wondering who it is. And, uh, you know, from like the dates they've given, there's definitely been a name that's popped up. Um, I don't know if it would be him just because his wife is still there. I mean, it's Rusev. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know if it would be Rusev, but it, it, it's definitely like hearing about the Saudi Arabia situation was really fucking scary. Like, did well, you ever have that, Robert, what, when you were with them, like, overseas? You're like, this is not really a good situation. So when I was there, it was tribute to the troops when they actually went into a war zone. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had the flu, so I didn't have to go around that time. So, you know, darn. But I know back then it was they, they treated it as safely as possible, but they knew you were going into an active war zone. Going to Saudi Arabia right now, you're not theoretically going into an active war zone. You're supposedly going into a very safe environment. The lawsuit and not getting too legal into it, you know, Jerry McDivitt's response was basically, this is a lot of hearsay. This is a guy who, uh, who's got an ax to grind. And it's all based on theoretical circumstantial evidence of, oh, we overheard a stewardess say something and we, the pilot's mood was kind of off. Uh, there is no real concrete evidence, but it's it's a good story that's going to kick up uh, kick up dirt. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, it just doesn't hold up, right? I mean, and what does the lawsuit actually do? I mean, is it is it the WWE's fault that they were in that situation? Wouldn't it be like, or so it's, it's like part when that happens, the, you have to report it to the government? I don't understand. So it's part of a lawsuit that, again, I haven't really delved into it too much. I think it's, it's a firefighter's uh, pension fund out of, I want to say, Kansas. And they're trying to allege that some of the actions that the WWE have done have devalued the stock. So they've been going after him because of the involvement with the XFL. And then when they're trying to say, as far as the Saudi pieces, that the WWE endangered their talent unnecessarily by sending them into Saudi Arabia and then the Saudi government grounding the plane and not letting them take off at the exact time there was a fee dispute. And then that fee dispute magically gets resolved and then the plane takes off. Wow. Do you think that happened? It happened, right? It happened. I, I, I don't think that it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what went down. I, I, I do know the WWE, if they're not, if they're, if the court case isn't about, doesn't involve wrestlers in their company or something like wrestling property or like even then intellectual property, they don't have a great record for like, for having this huge legal team. I, I understand they're able to like tell the headbangers not to use their name in Wichita, but when it comes to like these big legal fights, 
they, they, they don't have like a, a flawless record. They have a really strong record uh, primarily because they, they, most of the lawsuits get pulled into Connecticut because they, they get venue for it. They have a lot of sway and influence over the court system in Connecticut, Connecticut because they are one of the largest employers in the state. They generate a lot of revenue for Connecticut. And when there's a couple times where wrestlers have tried to sue over the status of being independent contractors, that always gets pulled into, uh, into Connecticut court and they, and they kick it out. So when wrestlers come after them, for the most part, they're, they're scared that either they're going to be blacklisted. I'm saying they have a good, good track record with wrestlers, but I'm saying like people like who, the guy who's working with Vince on the XFL, World Wildlife Federation, it seems like once they get out of their wheelhouse a little bit, they're, they're, not, as, they're not as sure of a thing in a courtroom. World Wildlife Fund, that's kind of bullshit, right? I mean, WWF was there first, no? World Wildlife Found, uh, Foundation, I believe, was there first because it uh, was WWWF, and then, but they, they didn't sue in the United States. They sued in Europe, and they got a ruling in one of the countries in Europe over, all right, WWE is not allowed to, World Wrestling Federation is not allowed to advertise to WWF there because they were trying to argue there's confusion in the marks that, uh, not us marks but with the marks themselves that somebody was going to want to give money to save a panda and they were going to go to the wrestling website and not know what to do and just not give the money and the panda was going to die and that was the basis of their argument and most places laughed it off they found kind of a loophole and there was always a working agreement with the world wildlife foundation and the wwf in terms of what they can and can't do but at the end of the day it's vince and he's, oh, yeah, I, I promise, I, you know, Vern, I'm not going to come after your territory and then, you know, put him in the ground. He kind of did the same thing to the territories that he did to them. And they won that lawsuit. And rather than continue to fight it, he's like, fuck it, we're changing the name tomorrow. Wow. So and, what they can, and what they can and cannot do or what they could and couldn't do until they ultimately finally stroked a check a few years ago was wild when I was there. It was you're, you're not allowed to show the WWF scratch logo, the, the famous Attitude Era logo, but you can show the other logos. You're not allowed to have the comment. You have to remove any reference in the old videos to the commentators saying WWF, but they could say World Wrestling Federation. Uh, and then if there was a fan who made a sign in the crowd and it had the WWF logo, you could show it. But if it had the letters WWF, you had to blur it out, which would take hours. And these would be, we'd go frame by frame on four, three-hour, four-hour shows to make sure every little thing was clipped out and removed, all because of this stupid lawsuit. Holy shit. So the fun postscript to that is my, my aunt thought it was going to be funny, and she decided to, to get me a, uh, a panda through the WWF because she knows how much I hate them. You can adopt a real animal. So as a birthday present one year, I, I now, you know, I'm the proud owner of a panda. That's beautiful. Great, man. Um, that's probably the nicest thing that's ever happened in professional wrestling. <laughs> number, number six, does AJ Styles hate Paul Heyman or CM Punk more? This past week, if you don't know what I'm talking about, apparently AJ was furious that uh, Gallows and Anderson were fired and blamed it on Paul Heyman, and, and he was really annoyed at people backstage uh, making fun of his political beliefs. And CM Punk called him out for not posting anything after the George Floyd, um, after the George Ford, after the George Floyd execution, I should say. 
uh, and and basically said, and then AJ said, I have no respect for that guy. Who do you think gets under AJ's skin more? I don't, I don't, well, I, I mean, I kind of have an answer, but he, more and more each week, he kind of is coming off uh, unbearable, not unbearable, but he's just very disconnected with what makes a person at all cool. Am AJ, I wrong for saying that? AJ Styles? Yeah. I mean, I don't know he's if he's been tr- cool. He's been trouble. I mean, there's been troubling things he's said for a, a very long time. So he, he's got one of those kind of murky track records where you don't really want to delve into it because he's such an entertaining wrestler. Yeah. But it, it's, uh, it, it's tough separating art from the artist sometimes with him. I, I, though I think he hates Paul Heyman more because Paul Heyman has a very round head like the earth and he believes it's flat. <laughs> so I think there's some animosity there. <laughs> him and Punk, this is probably – you know, AJ fucked up Punk's chance to probably sleep with some girl at an indie show in 2003, and this yep. is his chance to get revenge. Yep. Also, remember, Punk thought he was, like, hot shit on the indies, and AJ, like, the best worker in the world, is also in and out of the indies at that time. I mean, I'm sure there's been issues from Jump Street. And do you really want AJ Styles to come out one way or the other on the Black Lives Matter thing? I, no, I, I don't. I think that it's good that he didn't say anything because I think whatever he would say would be so much fucking worse. I don't think that, you know, race relations in the country are going to be dramatically improved by the hot take that AJ Styles puts out on, on social media. <laughs> what do you guys think? Number, uh, number seven, NXT or Dynamite this week? Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you uh, you start off on this. What what do you like more? Uh, I really liked NXT this week. Uh, I think it's been yeah, I think it dipped a, a, uh, over the last couple of weeks, but I think uh, I think this week was really good. They're they're moving along some stories that I'm very interested in. Uh, I like the vignettes that they're doing over there. I think they're actually really damn funny. The uh, the Adam Cole stuff. I enjoy them personally. Uh, the, yeah, you started laughing just remembering them in your brain just now. Uh, <laughs> so happy. The, the Roger Strong <laughs> therapy session was fun. Uh, Timothy Thatcher's vignettes was good. Do you thought the throw up thing was good? The which one? When he threw up. No, but that was it, so bad. Yeah, no, it it, it was fine until that, but it, I mean, it was good until that. But Zach loved it. He's back fucking tracking right yeah, now. Yeah, he's backtracking, dude. Oh, Sucks no matter what, but. AEW, uh, it's it was good. I I liked uh, I liked Cody's uh, match with that guy that I've never heard of. His promo before was uh, strange, right? He's kind of a heel almost. He's a better heel than a face. I don't know. You just He's a really get good face. you get like entitled vibes. It just started like the last few weeks. There's something going on. I don't know what it is. I mean, the, the interesting situation for those promos are weird without a crowd, you know, because like if you look at a lot of his promos before, he had all the AEW fans cheering him just because he was another option besides yeah, WWE. Yeah. yeah, maybe it comes off like gloating, like he's absorbing energy that isn't there and it just comes off weird. They might be giving themselves the opening to figure out ultimately who's going to come out and, and, uh, and get the you know take the challenge 
who isn't part of AEW and they don't know who that person is going to be, if it's going to be a baby face or a heel. So maybe Cody's showing he can shift one way or the other. Mm. So if they go out and they get, uh, you know, hypothetically a, a Rusev or they get a, a Zack Ryder uh, versus if they go after a Gallows or an Anderson, you can, you can play Cody either way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to go this week with NXT uh, just because although I thought AEW was a more enjoyable show, I thought the best thing on either show was that Timothy Thatcher vignette where he's basically like running a Stu Hart dungeon. I thought that was so fucking great. And so on point for that character. And they found a way to got, to make a guy who doesn't have, like, a traditional wrestling promo make him uh, very compelling. Yeah. Also, I don't want to be, like, the markiest of marks, but um, watching New Japan in the morning and then watching the opening match be Kenny Omega fighting QT Marshall, um, it's – just a bummer it doesn't make you feel good about about the company i, I bet you qt marshall is the greatest guy and i'm seems, sure he rules dude i'm sure he yeah. rules I, i'm sure he does and I, I see he does things in the ring that are proficient and it's you know he doesn't seem like he's dangerous in the ring yeah he probably knows like a couple party tricks <laughs> yeah but it just is so glaring when you have dustin rhodes kenny omega and adam hangman page in the ring and then just like my uncle. <laughs> He's got a little bit of like the Brad Armstrong syndrome where very proficient, but not, not really dazzling you, not somebody you're going to go out of your way to see. No. It's like corny dad vibes. It's not, it's not the kind of dad you want to see in a fight. Yeah, or like your dad's like the funny, responsible dad, and he's the responsible dad your wife leaves him for, and then... <laughs> What if I, this was a way to like tell you guys that I'm getting a divorce? Projected. What do you guys think? NXT or Dynamite? Robin, Scott. I'm, I'm confused with NXT as to why they're they're going this path now, where the uh, the world title and the North American title are now going to be held by one guy. Dumb, dumb. What is that? Is the idea to put everything on Cameron Cross? Carrying cross, yeah. carrying cross. Oh, I it. yeah, but wouldn't he be the guy to do that? Wouldn't it, that be what makes it special? I think maybe the idea is give everything to Cole, so Cole has everything to lose and nothing to gain, and then you that you find a way to put everything on Cross, and then nobody can beat him for either title. And then you just you just everybody stops watching NXT. Pretty much. Definitely feel like Vince took more of a interest this week. Mostly because Dexter Loomis was in like three segments. Oh, that guy, he is just every Vince McMahon fingerprint you can think of is on that. He's an artist. I love it. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight, Scott's New Japan Corner. Scott, New Japan formally opened up this week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was a lot of tag matches. Um, Basically, everybody looks amazing. That's the first thing I got to say. I know when I start talking about New Japan, all of a sudden I just like kind of sound like I'm talking about how hot I think the dudes are there. This is not (laughs) what I mean. Um, They all look so healthy. Like they actually got like a real break from wrestling, which should happen all the time. Um, They're all Tanner, 
um, meatier, but in a, in a strong, I've been eating well way. Uh, and a lot of them fucking brought it, man. Uh, I think everybody should go out of their way and watch uh, Yuji Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it's like one of the I best. I heard it's incredible. One of the best matches this year. And um, just out of the blue. Like you wouldn't, you know, you didn't expect it to happen. Um, the New Japan Cup just started and already they did a really cool match. Um, so it's empty arenas. Uh, everybody's wearing a mask that's not in the ring. Even in the tag matches, the uh, the wrestlers that, like, they don't stand on the corner apron. They actually, they're off of the ring apron entirely. How is the vibe on their show with the empty arena versus WWE or AEW? You don't notice it for a few reasons. I mean, one is because, like we've mentioned a bunch of times, their crowds are already typically just so quiet. Um, and then the noise they make you actually realize you make those same noises. Like, so you're just filling in for them. Like, cause they're punching the shit out of each other. Like that's a reason you also don't need uh, a crowd is because it is much more physical. And so what you're not watching doesn't come off comical. It, it looks like you're watching guys punch each other and that's irrelevant if it's in an empty room or a full room, it's still just as impactful, you know, when you watch it. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, I don't know. They're doing a good job. What else did I write? Oh, and the 22nd is the next uh, cup show. And it's definitely going to be the best because so far, again, like the matches, they haven't been nothing too exciting um, because it's the beginning of the tournament and they're really only using the guys they can use. Uh, everybody else can't fly in. Um, but the 22nd, we're getting a Bushi versus Sabre Jr. and Show versus Shingo, which are going to be like uh, really amazing. I don't know. Check them out, guys. They're, they're a lot of fun. Number nine, what puppets would you add to the Firefly Funhouse? <laughs> a shark puppet they can jump over. <laughs> what do so, you think, I, so I thought about this for a little while, um, maybe 40 to 50 seconds. Um, but I genuinely think that the, the next puppet they should add is a calculator. Um, because every one of the puppets has something to do with the Bray Wyatt personality. And if his dad is IRS, you need a puppet that's the calculator to talk about how he's proud of him and then laugh at him after and just drive and just play with the psyche a little more. Because the entire idea of the Firefly Funhouse is you have the pig because Vince thought that he was too fat and you have the, uh, the buzzard because that was his character and you have Sister Abigail and you have the, uh, you know, the, the bunny that's the, uh, the innocent version of him. You need something to represent the the overarching dad character so i would go with a talking calculator i love that you could say fun little and then puns maybe and an stuff. ex-wife puppet just throwing shit <laughs> you ruined our family jojo uh, but i think <laughs> what, I would, what i would love to see is look paul Heyman is still under contract right he's not in creative anymore make him like the george carlin in shining time station like make wow. a tiny version of paul Heyman. It's just saying hello. Like, and it would show you too, like when Vince is done with you, they, they send you to this purgatory. Like, I think Drake Maverick would be awesome there too. Just to, like, that's where you go if creative has nothing for you. You become a puppet in Bray Wyatt's world. Yeah, I, I love that idea, especially with Heyman. But I feel like if you pitched it in the room, Vince would be like, you're right, Shorty G. We'll have Shorty G be a puppet and he'll just <laughs> be there. And we could laugh about how tiny he is. 
I think it's great. You, you open the door, Titus is there barking, and then they close it. There's no explanation <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> no, what they need to do is this. So first off, Bray needs to be uh, more dominant on the show. I think he needs to start fucking with the entire show, like the Fiend character. Um, he needs to be messing with everybody. And in one sequence, Titus O'Neil runs to the ring and trips and slides under it. And all of a sudden, he's in Wyatt's world, dude. <laughs> he's fucking with everybody. It's like it. Like it. It's like a Pixar movie. Like he goes past the little people court and into. Yep. Like every, he goes past every gimmick that's ever been under the ring. I want an entire cinematic episode where Wyatt is just ruining every scheduled segment with uh, something trippy, you know? So he's, he's Bruce. Yeah. Or just give him Eric Rowan's spider. That's probably what they'll do. Whatever happened to the uh, the hacker? Speaking of guys that messed with That's, every segment on the show. If, if I had missed it, did they blow that storyline off, or they just dropped that storyline? Not only that, they moved uh, Mustafa Ali to Raw for some reason now, well, without any explanation. Movie, right? It was. It, it seemed like it was going to be one of the two, Bro, and then it just went away. Fan, it's Chad Gable in the Super Junior Tournament. How fucking great would that be? Not as great as him being the hacker. That's he true. Gets, he gets glasses with tape on the middle of it. <laughs> He's a hacker. My honest, my honest guess is Vince recently hired somebody to hack shit for him uh, and realized that that might lead the feds on to him, so he just canceled it entirely. <laughs> so this might be way inside baseball, and, and it's probably the case, but years ago, uh, Krista Joseph, who just left creative again, pitched a hacker idea that someone was going to hack WWF.com or WWE.com and they were going to be little things that were going to pop up and it was going to be how they were going to debut Matt Capitelli, that he was going to be this, this hacker character. And Vince just didn't understand it. So when I started seeing the hacker pop up on TV, I knew that DJ was back on creative. I assumed he finally got that in in some way and then it kind of vanished. But it's it's a unique idea for them to, to do, but it's weird that they just, again, spent weeks of time on network television and then just blew it off when they could have just made it hornswoggle. Well, who was in charge when that even started? Was that like Bischoff's few weeks there? Nah, I, I think that was, I think it was after Bischoff, because Bischoff was only there for like, like a month and a half and he didn't, he didn't know who anybody was, so it didn't matter. I kept looking for Lenny Lane, but I, I think that it was it was definitely the Pritchard era was the uh, was the hacker. But the storylines that it was supposedly building all kind of went away anyway. The idea was that they were teasing that there was a tag team that was secretly didn't like each other and they were going to break up. And then they were showing like it could be Mandy Rose and Sonya who'd already split, or it could be the Usos, but one of them's already out injured. So it it, uh, it, it may have died a horrible death. And Ali just got moved to Raw on the uh, website. Yeah. So it's over. I mean, because I, I really thought he was for sure going to be the hacker. He's had so many starts and stops. It, it, I, I, feel, so I feel bad. Too. He's very talented. Do you think that's Vince being like, there's, no, there's not going to be international travel for a few years, so I don't have to push these guys who, <laughs> who would help us internationally? That's I think possible. it's the... I think it's the mask. He doesn't like that. It, it, he doesn't want a guy on TV wearing a mask. It's going to make people think of COVID. 
Oh. And subconsciously, you're going to see it. Um, maybe they're moving him to Rob to, I, I don't even know, because Raw is filled with talented guys who are just kind of directionless. So maybe him and Umberto Carrillo are going to be uh, a Where's tag that Ricochet team. Band? Ricochet, Ricochet and Cedric, Cedric? Alexander. Oh, they had they had momentum and then gone. Um, Sucks, man. No, WWE Vince makes you like smile if you're a face a lot. Oh, yeah. Like you mean like Ricochet smile, and Ricochet always looked like awkward when he smiled. And notice like the guy Angel Garza Vince loves, and he's like one of the only guys who looks good when he smiles coming to the ring i actually think that that's like a big thing with vince like he's a he's a baby face he should have a baby face oh absolutely you, you, you have you were to there smile. robert did you ever see that with Vince? i'm trying to think if there was a specific instance we we were still somewhat i mean it was trying to get john cena over and it was trying to get batista over so neither one of them were doing over the top smiling uh Batista kind of always had a smirk on his face when he was on SmackDown, and uh, it was the idea that he was uh, he was Bugs Bunny, always outsmarting the heels. But uh, some of the smiling that you see, I mean, like Apollo smiles. It, it's, it's the Lewis Black joke. He smiles so much, I don't think he has a central nervous system. Um, <laughs> it it, it feels it just feels goofy and outdated. Yeah, it's 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 really bizarre. Number ten, The Undertaker. Last Ride, part four. Did you guys get a chance to watch this one? I did. I did. It's the same fucking episode over and over again, right? Yeah, but I love Vince and Taker's relationship. It, Despite whatever abuse is also going on within that relationship, <laughs> it makes you go, like, love is real. You know, people can get through things. Like, it makes you – you know how, like – our parents especially was just like, you just don't divorce. Like that was like kind of a thing. Like, can you believe, and they have kids and they're going to divorce. Like that's what Vincent Taker feels like. It's like, it's that old love, you know? It does kind of make sense. I mean, he, you know, rather they almost split up and then he went through a midlife crisis, bought a motorcycle, changed his look. Yeah. And then, and then was back to normal and doing whatever, uh, whatever made mom happy. I'm guessing Vince's mom in this situation. This took a weird Oedipal turn pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, um, it's, it's such a love story. I forgot that he had that match. extreme rules. And that was a pretty good match. Him and Roman versus Drew and Shane. Oh, yeah, that was I think, I think a lot of it was Drew and Roman, but it was not bad. Yeah. I, I like that Shane now wants a rematch against Taker. He's come out and said he, he wants to have another match. And yikes. Wait, who? Who said that? Shane. Shane McMahon uh, said he wants another he wants another rematch with with uh with Taker. And they have to wait because there's nothing high enough in the performance center for him to jump off of, unless it's that giant <laughs> ceiling fan. Vince will find something. Oh, he will gladly find something to push Shane off of. Yeah. I was they could have really bashed Goldberg a lot more. This probably was filmed when Goldberg was was back as champion, oh, so they, they might not have known when this was going to air. So it, it, a lot of these documentaries, there should be a documentary about the documentaries based on who was in good graces at the time, so you can see who was getting shit on and who wasn't. Yeah, I mean that that, that entire match was. I mean, it was both of their faults, but it was after Goldberg got that concussion, right? It all went downhill from there. Yeah. That thing should have never happened in the first place. I, I 
it's kind of the same idea that people still want to have Sting come back for one more match. Like, leave him, leave him be. Just leave keep him, on. keep him on. Unless you're gonna, you know, do a cinematic filming thing with with Sting and Taker and do special effects and uh, stunt people and different camera angles. Just stay, please stay home. Yeah. Well, sp- speaking of please stay home, uh, join our Patreon this Sunday where we are going to review the next four worst matches on David Meltzer's list. I'm going to tell you what they are right now. Uh, I've seen all of them. They're all fucking terrible. But it's uh, Moondog Spot versus Junkyard Dog on Wrestling Classic. Charmel versus Jenna Maraska on TNA's Victory Road. WCW's Fall Brawl, uh, the 98 War Games match that included Warrior. Sting versus Tony Palamore and New Japan. And Robert, uh, you're going to pick a match that's actually good for us to watch at the end of it. Do you, ha- do you have any idea what that's going to be? That is a, uh, that is a tough one. Um, the we'll the ironic... Oh, I, I will. I think I, I think I have one because one of the funniest things was looking at the uh, the junkyard dog match. The next match that it suggested because you watched this based on the WWE algorithm absolutely blew my mind. So I might I might recommend that one. I'll text it to you. But uh, for for you listening at home, the only way you're going to find out what that match is is by subscribing to the Patreon account. Uh, worth twice twice the price based on how fucking brutal these matches were to watch. Robert, mm. have you seen all of them yet or no? I've I've made it through. I watched three of them in its entirety. I I started watching the War Games match. Um, I, I haven't finished it yet. That's the worst one to get through, without a doubt. That's a that's a slog. That's a you need a you need a couple of sittings and a, and a therapist on call. Yeah, it's really especially with how much talent is in the ring. It's 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 almost a miracle that they had that bad of a match. Vintage WCW. Yeah. All right, guys, what do you got to promote? Just a quick thing. Uh, the Patreon episode will be released on Monday, not Sunday. Just real quick. That's Monday. Oh, yeah, Sorry Monday, yeah, Monday. But, yeah, just go uh, go sign up and uh, follow our Twitter, at TotalFMarks. Scott? Garbage Days with Brendan Sagalo. Check that out. Uh, other than that, yeah, nothing. Just join the Patreon. Come hang. Robert? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at WWCreative underscore ISH. Uh, other than that, looking forward to the Patreon on Monday and being back here next Thursday if we Absolutely. survive recording the show. What's your <laughs> name again? Tinny Cups? Tinny Cups? No, what's your name again? It was something oh, Cups? Sammy Cups? Andy, Sam Cups? Oh, it, it, no, it would have been Andy. Andy Cups. Andy Cups. Andy Cups, baby. <laughs> but it's K, no, no, but it'd have to be K U P P S. For for WWE reasons, you, you can't just give him a regular name. <laughs> Andy Cup sounds like a low level gangster. Yeah, Andy Cuts, you know, beat you, but he won't he won't put a bullet in you. <laughs> um, all right, folks, could have leapt on a stronger joke, but who gives a shit? Have a good one. Talk to you later.